All right, welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. I'm Darlene, and today you are going to love this because it's a little bit like I'm being interviewed by my friend and colleague and fellow coach, Jennifer Delacuadri. Last week, we did an episode with her where I sort of interviewed her and talked to her about what it's like to be a teenager today. And in this episode, we're talking about what it's like to parent a teenager today. And I give sort of the struggles of parenting teens, what comes up as a parent, and then I give you really, really practical strategies for how to cope and succeed in, you know, using these parenting, these teen parenting years as a way to get closer to your teen instead of getting pushed apart. So you're going to love this and um, let's get into it. All right. Welcome back to another episode. We get to have Jennifer Delacuadri and Darlene Childress, that's me, together again to talk about parenting teens. Yes, I'm excited about today's podcast. If you listened to last week's episode, then you may be really excited to hear this one because we were talking a lot about the teens, but I know, Darlene, you talked about the parents and you kind of threw in a few nuggets. And I was (laughs) like, I can't wait to hear what she has to say, because I know I have a lot to learn too. So it's good to be back. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, Yeah. So if you didn't, if you missed last time, go back and listen. We talked about what it's like to be a teenager a little bit and what they're struggling with. And that's what Jennifer does is she's a teen coach and um, incredible at it. And anyone who works, any teenager who gets to have her on the other side (laughs) of that phone call or zoom is lucky. Um, yes. So yeah, highly, highly recommend that episode. Um, yeah. So yeah. Head back there. Yeah. Go so, back. Yeah. Let's um, this time we are going to have Darlin share a little bit about herself and what she does with, with the parents. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and who you work with and all that. Yeah. Well, I work with parents um, and my program is called Calm Mama Coaching. And it's really what I learned as a parent. I've started the, I started working as a parent coach. We did not use that language back in the 2012s. Um, (laughs) I was a parent educator for a really long time. And I just kind of taught parenting skills. So I would teach how to set limits, how to, you know, follow through on consequences without yelling. And I, um, added then like nonviolent parenting to my program and talked a lot about emotional coaching your kids and setting limits and then having, um, you know, consequences that are not punishment. I have a whole theory about consequences. Mm-hmm. Think of, I think about them as impacts of behavior, every oh, behavior. Yeah. Every behavior has an impact always. Yes. And yep. so sometimes as a parent, we have to create false impacts because the, it takes a long time to have an impact sometimes from a behavior. For example, mm. if I'm uh, kind of shitty to my brother for 10 years, it might not take, it might take a long time before my brother doesn't ever talk to me again. Mm. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. so, you know, we want to create, sometimes we have to create kind of impacts, short-term impacts to pivot behavior. Okay. But what I, so I was teaching about connection, right? Yeah. I think about in emotional coaching is connection and empathy and compassion and parenting, teaching about limits, teaching about consequences in a punitive free model. And I noticed that parents were always like, I love everything you teach me. It's amazing. I just can't remember to do it. Oh, 
And I thought a lot about why, what is the block? What is the obstacle that is preventing them from showing up as the parent that they want to be? And it really is a lot about our own, as parents, our own emotional regulation and our inability, right? To process our own emotion and to uh, manage our own stress responses. Um, Yes. So my program, I have the Calm Mama process and it includes calm first. And that is always about the parent's emotional regulation. Yeah. And oh my gosh, that is so important. That's everything because with the teaching a parent how to discipline or to handle when your child is misbehaving is one thing, but in that moment you can be super worked up or angry or even frustrated from something that's totally unrelated and everything just goes out of the, you know, brain and you forget it all and then you look back and you think, "Oh, whoops." Yeah. And I I always say the minute that you go, you look back or you, whatever, that's your brain coming back online. That's you getting out of your stress response and back into your online thinking into your prefrontal cortex. And so we are, what we are doing in my programs is helping parents sort of not bypass that negative emotion, but process it quickly. Yeah. And also work on the mindset piece so that we don't get triggered in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, of, so important. Yeah, so important, right? And a lot of that is around um, kind of what you were talking about last time about, you know, understanding what is normal, what's typical, where it's coming from, why your teen or your child is behaving this way, sort of normalizing a lot of expectations or, or you know, seeing behavior for what it is helps mm-hmm. parents then not be so activated. Mm-hmm. That's why like, the, the episode before is so important if you're raising a teen because now your teenager acts out and you're like, oh, this has right. it's not because there's something wrong with them. This is not because there's something wrong with me. This is not because they're a complete and total asshole. This is not because they're, you know, whatever. Right. Whatever well, thoughts we have. I'm so glad you're saying that because so many of the parents that come to me, their main question is, is this normal? Is uh-huh. this normal? Right. And that's the fear that a lot yeah. of us have as parents is like, is this something that all teens deal with? Or is like, there's something I need to do because my yes. teen is really struggling with this. Yes, it happens when I have moms who come in and I have a six-year-old and their six-year-old's having oh, yeah. a big, big feeling cycle. There's somewhat normalizing of emotion up until about three in our society. Mm. We call it a mm-hmm. temper tantrum yeah. and it's somewhat okay. Yeah. You two, you're yeah. terrible twos. We have a whole language about it. And then right. parents get to three and they're like, uh-oh. Yeah. My ch- you need to be a big kid now. <laughs> yes. Something's wrong with my kid because they still right. have feelings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I thought the feelings would just go away and they could suddenly be calm through yes. this situation. And like just manage it. Like manage yeah. the fact that it's a blue cup versus a pink cup or whatever. Right. And yeah, right. like the other one is in the dishwasher and you're like, ah. And this just keeps yeah. compiling and compiling, you know, compounding as we raise our kids and you get to teenagers and yeah, it's. If, if you're coming to the work later, it can be tricky because mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, you got to really right. reframe a lot of thinking as a right. parent of what, what to expect and what's okay and what's not okay and how to set boundaries. And yeah. Well, what's so good about that too, is you are connecting with them as this challenge is happening, mm-hmm. because sometimes the parents who come to me, they're their kid has never had any issues. Like they've been very easy and they, 
enter their teen years and then a challenge starts happening and they're like, oh my gosh, wait, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so you're able to meet them as the challenge occurs Mm -hmm. so that they can kind of stave off the long-term effects of what would happen if they didn't know how to respond. Right. Well, you know, you have, if you have more than one kid, you're like, that's my easy one. And this is my hard one or whatever. And then (laughs) eventually that's going to swap. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Or on a week to week basis, right? You're like, this week is great with this one. I don't know what is happening with this one. And then they just switch places. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right. Or I see it with like, you know, the the one is like, oh, so good and so easy. And then they turn seven and whatever, and they have their first conflict in their social world or, you know, you have another baby or whatever happens. And um, yeah, yeah, big feelings come. So we, we normalize the big feeling cycle is what I call it and normalizing the big feelings so that we don't get so activated because that's part of calm is how to prevent that activation and then how to intervene when you're in it and how to so how to calm yourself when you're already activated so we use physiological body regulation you know so I teach parents how to like clap their hands jump up and down drink some water like Mm-hmm. you know, go outside, look up, like it's so many silly things, but it's just trying to get that stress juice. You had said about fear, is this normal? Well, if you think about when we are taught about stress response, it is typically taught because we are afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Something happens and then we are afraid. So then we do fight, flight, freeze, faint, fawn. Now there's so many. Yep. yep. And <laughs> okay, batting them. And so, yes, if I am thinking consistently that something's wrong with my child. Yes. This isn't normal. This isn't okay. There's a problem. I'm going to have a lot of cortisol. I'm going to have a lot of adrenaline pumping through kind of all the time. So then I'm going to react to a misbehavior or any behavior from that stress response, from that fear-based fight, flight, freeze, faint, fawn. Yeah. And what I notice is that when a parent is activated, they want their child, they want to control their child in the moment mm. so that they can feel, so the parent can feel more powerful, right? Like the antidote to fear, right, is safety. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to like get that back by kind of squashing the kid and yes. in some ways acting, activating their child's flight or freeze response. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's, it's a consequence, an unintended consequence. Yes. And they don't even realize that they're doing it. Right. So you're creating more activation and more cortisol in your child. And then they're mm-hmm. responding. And it, 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 you know, a lot of kids don't go to flight or freeze. They go to fight. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And so you then have to get bigger and stronger and louder and, yep. uh, or, or more controlling or more threatening or more, you know, punitive in order to like right. get them squashed. And that's where we're we're moving away from that. We're moving away from that fear-based fear from myself and also yeah. controlling my children through fear. Oh, that's so important. And it mm-hmm. it all starts with the adult, the person who is quote unquote responsible for the, the harmony in the home, yeah. right? And that's yeah. so good. And I, I am really excited to hear about the process, but before we get to all of that, I'm just curious what are the things that you're seeing with parents, like the bigger struggles mm-hmm. that you're seeing on a regular basis with them? Well, I think <clears throat> the fear is a big one with teens 
I mean, that's kind of like the, I think the main one is like fear about the future. Mm. So when you are raising teens, everything feels like the stakes are higher. Yeah. And in some way they, they actually are on some level. Like if I am seven and I stick my tongue out at the teacher, I might get like Miss Recess and Mm -hmm. that's, you know, a failure or whatever, bummer. But if I'm 17 and I do the a 17 year old version of sticking my tongue out of the teacher, which is school avoidance, which we talked about, right? And I don't go yeah. to school or I don't yeah. participate and I get an F and then I get a couple of Fs, then our brain starts to really spin out of like, right. this is definitely going all the way yeah. to, I always go to like drug addict, under a bridge, mm-hmm. homeless, yeah. um, that's like my worst, worst, my second worst case scenario, which is not necessarily kind, but it's like a manager at a fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like I believe my children have higher potential than that, or, or that, that they have drive for that. I don't want to insult that role. Um, but I look at my kids and I'm like, I know what you're capable of or what yeah. you want for yourself. And I get scared. Right. Um, that's what it goes to is that they have, and you, this is another thing that happens with the teens and that scares the parents is they see their kids when they're young and they see the drive and the love for life. And then they see the potential and I want to be an astronaut and all of those things. And then it all kinds of shuts down and the parent is like, what happened to my kid? Oh no. And then they, they picture worst case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. Like futurizing in the absolute negative and they get really afraid. And so do you see that they push, they like start to push at that point when they are afraid? What do you yeah. see happens when they- Yeah, I think that, that that's where we start to feel a little bit more like we need to get our control back and our power back. Yeah. And so, you know, we might like kind of come in hard and maybe, you know, take away all the things and do, do you right. know, big, big consequences, which isn't necessarily bad, but- it doesn't serve your child in any way to be afraid for them. They are already pretty nervous. Like we talked about Mm -hmm. that last time, like they're feeling insecure, especially those later teen years, they have that uncertainty and that insecurity about their own potential. And are they going to reach it? And who are they? And where do they want to go? And they're kind of spinning. And if we come into the moment and we're like, Oh shit. Yep. Things are not looking good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Then they're like, oh my gosh, now like, things are really bad. This person knows me really well, has known me yeah. since I was little, and they're worried. I better be worried. It's like right. if you're on an airplane and the pilot's like, everything's fine, a little turbulence, no problem. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. Yeah. You know, flight attendants are like, this isn't an issue, and you can feel safe. But if they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would be very upsetting. They, you always look to the people that you trust in a situation to know how to respond. And when they look at you as a parent and you're freaking out, they're like, oh no, yeah, shit's hitting yeah. the fan. What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, I have, I'm going to give some strategies at the end of like what to do to um, kind of move through these things. But that's one of the main ones I feel about, about that. It's the, the fear of the future. And then the other one, is really, so there's like the future, like you're going to mess up your life that comes up for parents. But then there's also this, like, I don't trust my kid. Hmm. 
So, you know, when you have a teenager and they're making some bad decisions or they're making any decision, like if we don't believe that they can, that they are capable of taking care yeah. of themselves. Yeah. It is going to be really hard for them to think they're capable of taking care of themselves. Uh-huh. They borrow yeah. their beliefs and thoughts about themselves from us. Just, oh my gosh. Yes. They do. Yes, they do. So, and yeah. I love that you say that because when a teenager feels like their parents don't trust them, mm -hmm. then they learn that they can't be trusted. Yeah. And then they, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I'm the person who my parents think I'm just going to fuck up. So I guess I might as well, you know, like yeah. that's where I'm headed. And teenagers make mistakes. They do things that are stupid. Like that's I just part of growing up. I'm not a teenager. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> and that's part of the life, right? Yeah. And seeing your teenager make mistakes and not making it that they are a mistake, like that yes. they are somebody who fails or a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. Hey, this is normal. Yeah. 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 So I see it kind of come out like when we don't trust our kids, then we feel powerless. Right. So then we start to make decisions for them or, oh. you know, tell them how to do it, what they need to do. This is how it's going to lay it out. There is a place for that, especially mm -hmm. when our kids are really kind of derailing or, you know, really off track. I, I, we want to bring them back. We don't want them to make unaffordable mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so we, we do need limits and boundaries. I'm going to talk about that, but yeah. what happens in, is your child then, if you're, if you believe they're not like good or capable or whatever, then they can go one of two ways. They either believe you, right? And then mm -hmm. that's what you were talking about is that they say, okay, I must be not very good and not reliable and not trustworthy. And they kind of give up and, you know, uh, flail right. around a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, they, they don't have that self-confidence or they have to decide you're wrong. Mm. Because they need to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you are losing your credibility. Yeah. Like you're, you're eroding the quality of the relationship. Yeah. Because they're like, you don't, you don't know me very well. You don't believe in me. You don't trust me. I'll show yeah. you. And I won't trust you anymore with me. Right. That's where the break happens that I see. And that's a big hit on your relationship with them. Huge. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge hit on your relationship. And I, so we, we have, we can think any thought we want about our kid. Yeah. Why would we choose terrible ones? I know. I, yeah. I know. And, but it's not always easy, right? Like no, in a very sure. small, short, like not a very big impactful um, example is when they leave their dishes all over the place in the okay. kitchen, you walk in and be like, gosh, they're su such a freaking slob or they're yeah. so lazy. Why don't they clean up after themselves? Mm -hmm. It's hard in those moments yes. when you're seeing this evidence that points in the opposite direction. Right. And to like intentionally decide how you want to think about your kid mm -hmm. is hard, but mm -hmm. it makes a huge impact. Yeah. Yes. It makes a huge impact. And it's like intentionally thinking they are capable of learning this. Yes. It's <laughs> very simple as that. Like 
this huh. this is one day, right? Mm-hmm. I know that they can do this. I know yeah, they, they are can. becoming a person who. Yes, <laughs> they are becoming a person who cleans up after themselves. Yes, they are becoming yeah. a person who is responsible. They are becoming a person yes. who, takes, who manages their time. They are becoming yeah. a person who understands how to use social media appropriately. They're becoming right. a person who um, can keep track of a to-do list. They're becoming yeah. a person who knows how to be a good friend. Yes. And that's a huge shift between the two. It's so, because then we're trusting them at their core and like believing yeah. in them. So yeah. the, the fear about the future, the not trusting in, in them. And then the big one, we talked about this a little bit last time, but like one of the things I teach parents is how to be comfortable in our children's discomfort. Mm. And we, we brought it up when we talked about like, sometimes our kids just need to process their negative emotion and just talk or share or be upset or be in their room crying or throw around some stuff or, you know, maybe even complain about your rules or whatever. We want to make sure that stays within a boundary. But what happens to us a lot of times is we feel very uncomfortable. It can feel scary when someone has big feelings. It can create a trauma response from us if we ever had grownups around us when we were little who Mm -hmm. didn't manage their feelings well. And you have a big teenager and you've got a loud person and you've got someone who kind of reminds you of your mother or someone who kind of reminds you of your father or, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend from when you were younger. Like there can be some feelings that maybe get triggered in you like based on past experiences that can activate your stress response and make it hard for you to be okay with their big feelings. Yeah. It can also be hard for us to be with their big feelings because we make it mean something about us Yep. as a parent. Yep. If I were a better parent, my child would not be unhappy. Right. <laughs> I, if I were a better parent, my, my child would have better grades. My child yes. would have this job. My child would be going to this college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like making it about you. And that's, I'm so glad. And it just kind of goes back to what I tell the parents over and over and over who bring their kids to me for help. It's like, you get help for yourself too. Yeah. Right. Because you need to deal with your shit. Yep. Yep. Before you help your teen deal with theirs. Yes. If you're able to do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that growing your own capacity to listen and to be okay with someone else's big feelings, it does mean that we have to work on ourselves for sure. And that's the other thing that I'm going to talk about. But we, we broke, we've talked about this for a split second on the last episode of like, when someone is uncomfortable and they're processing negative emotion, we have these tendencies that we either want to give a solution. Yep. We want to shut it down. Yep. Just, just get them back down into flight or faint or whatever, like just yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah. Or we want to shame them, make them wrong. Yes. For having these feelings or creating this problem or whatever. Yep. All three that the solution, the shutdown and the shaming, those are all our strategy to cope with our discomfort. Yep. And so it's really yeah. important to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you find that you no longer have the capacity, you can just turn to your teenager and say, I love you. I yeah. see you're struggling and I'm not open to listening right now. I need a minute. Yes. Yes. Because when you face them with the energy that they're facing you with, it's just going to 
add fuel to the fire. Yes. We often don't say these very, very simple sentences in our yeah. relationships of, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now and I need a break. Right. And I love your wording on that. It's mm -hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed, not you're making me feel overwhelmed. Yeah, you're too much. <laughs> right. You're making me feel bad. Right. Mm -hmm. It's very much I am dealing with this right now and, and I need space. Yeah. I, and, and just really, it, all, it feels like an abandonment or a rejection to the other uh -huh. person. It just does. We yeah. feel that way when our teenager fine and they mm -hmm. run to their room or they slam the door or they're like you know you're a bitch or whatever and you're just mm -hmm. like you know it feels like an absolute personal rejection right sure even if they're not mean about it it just feels like they are rejecting us yep and it's the same thing that our teen feels when yes. we need a break so that's why it's really important to do a little bit of like listen I hear you I love you yeah and I am here for you just not right now. I need a break. Yeah. Yes. And also having a conversation in advance when oh things are calm or after things calm down is, and I, I'm sure you're going to be talking about this as boundary setting, like what you are and are not okay with when the, when there's not big emotions happening. Yes. Yes, for sure. We have to like, wait till the, the energy is passed before we like yeah. start to get in on all our rules or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, and also saying, hey, sometimes I'm going to take a little break. Yep. Um, I, I, I love like these simple phrases. Our relationship is too important yeah. for me. Oh my gosh, so to good. Hurt, to hurt you. I, you know, I love you too yeah. much to yell at you. I don't want to say something that I regret. I need a yeah. moment. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and it models boundaries really beautifully as well. Oh my gosh, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then the, other things I see with parents is they're just very confused about their role. So that's kind of the limit setting that I want to talk about. Um, oh, just yeah. what are we responsible for? Are we responsible for making sure our kids get a certain grade or are home at a certain time? Or like, are we not? Do we make sure they don't drink? Can we make sure they don't drink or do drugs at parties? Mm. It just gets very confusing, mm -hmm. especially in those later teen years about like, what, where yeah. do I stop and they begin and like it gets kind of murky and I think we're not going to solve that in this episode at all. <laughs> <laughs> we would uh, get the Nobel Prize for that but yes um but when what we do need to know we are responsible for is when we're clear about what is okay with us and that that boundary work is really important so we're going to get into that um but that that confusion about your role and the, but the the one thing before we go into that, I wanted to say is that there's a grieving process when you have teens. It starts around 10, like that yes. first time that they go to their room and process their negative emotion without you or mm -hmm. go through something and you don't know about it till later. Like mm -hmm. That there's a little bit of um, there's sadness. We it's a loss. There's an intimacy mm -hmm. when they're little, and like I remember my son being around six, and we were in like a, a therapy appointment because you know my kids have been through all the things, and um, the therapist was like, "I bet mom that you know every boo boo that is on his body," mm -hmm. and I was like. Yes. And then I was like, he has a scratch on his knee. He has a little thing on his elbow. He has a cuticle that hurts. 
I knew I was so intimate. I knew when they peed and pooed and like yep. every, where they were at every second. Yep. And the, the, in yes, the control, but also the intimacy of it. Mm-hmm. And then slowly your children grow and they yeah. need to build intimacy with themselves, with their yep. peers, with significant others. It, mm-hmm. And that is lost for us. It is not yes. lost for them. And I'm so glad you're bringing that up too, because it's not something that I remember ever hearing about when I had kids, that this was going to be a big, it, the grief of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you you love your kids and you want them to be successful and you want them to be independent. But I had no idea that part of that would involve totally processing the sadness mm-hmm. of that little kid relationship and the bond that you had with them yes. and giving yourself the space to process it too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to feel sad and to let it yeah. go. And, and, you know, it's grief, yeah. right? We're going to go through a process of loss and it doesn't, it's not a death. So it's different because we get mm-hmm. to build a new thing and have a new relationship but it yeah. is the loss of an, of a relationship and it it's is creating a new one. Yeah. And that, yeah. that there's like this undercurrent there in parenting teens of um, just some sadness. And then there's some regret that kind of comes in and some disappointment. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's like a reckoning in some ways it can feel like that. And, mm-hmm. and um, what I think the hope is that you get to redefine yeah the future at this mm-hmm. point and really if you can spend more time future focused of like what you're creating and what your child is creating that's one of the strategies i'll talk about but yeah. um i think we need to recognize the emotion and the negative emotion that we have mm-hmm. around and that's that where world. getting outside support as a yes. parent is so important to have mm-hmm. that space to be able to talk about it and feel feel what you're feeling about it yeah yeah that's why i have a group program now because I'm finding the more and more that I can bring parents together to <clears throat> talk about the different parts of it. And I'm doing a, a special series this fall. It's going to be start with a masterclass on parenting teens and then moving into a separate program where you get to have me coaching you for six weeks, just for teen parents mm. of teens. Oh, and amazing. Really like, not one-on-one, like how I usually do it in my group programs where it's just a one-on-one conversation, a little bit more of a group conversation where we have um, a place to talk and and be sad or be frustrated or be angry. And and then also solutions like having a, you know, an expert Mm -hmm. kind of guide, you know, about curfew and drugs and girls sleeping over, boys sleeping over and whatever, all the things. Um, Yes. So Uh, Yeah, I just think we need to create more spaces like that in our society. Well, and it's so good too. I know we talked a little bit about normalizing emotions. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents think that what they're feeling is wrong or bad and because just because they haven't heard anybody else going through it before, but it's only because people haven't really talked about it or shared about it. Yeah, it's like we have mommy and me and we have a lot of postpartum support. A lot. A lot. Yeah, I mean, I know if anyone is postpartum right now, they're like, no, we don't. You guys don't understand how hard it is. And it oh, be. I remember how hard it is. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> we need postpartum hard. support and like, you know, the yes. early years, sleep training and diapering and toileting. It's, so it's important. all really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of space to talk about the emotional 
challenges yeah. as we raise our kids. And so, yeah, I agree. That's what the, one of the purposes of the club is um, so called Mama good. Club. So let's talk a few minutes about a little bit about strategies. Just as yeah, let me up. let me hear your strategies. This is what I really I know. Like, Everyone loves bring the strategies. <laughs> I am a very good strategy coach. Um, awesome. So in my on my podcast next week, there will be an episode all about what I think of as this tether between freedom and responsibility. So I'm just going to introduce it, um, okay. so your audience can listen next time. And my audience, you'll get it. You get the goods. Yeah. Yeah. But um. I think about when we are raising teens, and I think this starts around 11 or 12, that we want to be testing responsibility by giving some freedom. Mm. So, you know, we're going to see if you can walk back and forth to 7-Eleven within mm-hmm. these expectations, right? Like, right. you know, we're going to test your this freedom out and we're going to test responsibility. Yep. So... Are you able to, um, you know, keep, if they have a phone, like keep Life360 on? Are you able yeah. to like, or location services? Are you are you going to be there when I come to pick you up at the exact time? Like kind of what whatever your boundary is, like a simple little thing like that. Yeah. And you're, you're saying to your team, I will give you this freedom. And this is, you need to show that you are ready for it. And this is also checking in on your level of responsibility because they go together. The more responsible you are, the more freedom you can have. Mm. And then, and then we tether it back. If you can't show that you're ready for this level of responsibility, then I'm going to pull a little bit of freedom away. Mm -hmm. We're going to tighten up for a bit of time. So say you give a curfew, your curfew is at 11. We expect you to be home by 11. And then you have one, two nights where they're not making it. You know, again, okay, you didn't make it again. You didn't make it again. Okay, so we're going to pull some freedom away <clears throat> and reset, let you practice some responsibility around the house. Okay. And we'll try again. Yeah. So the consequence is that you lose a little bit of freedom, but it's never like, it's, it's never like, oh, you're such a bad person and you should get this privilege taken away. It's more yeah. like, you're not quite ready for this level of responsibility, but I know you're going to be. So we're going to pull back a bit and we're yeah. going to try again. So I'm gonna- wondering when you're saying this, I'm curious to know your thoughts on, because this is very much a, a little bit of a toggle, like a give and yes. take versus like a cut off, like you can't do this, period. Yeah. How, what are your thoughts on grounding? Well, I think sometimes it looks like you don't have freedom to go out and about. Okay. Yeah. Because you haven't shown that you're able to handle the responsibility of being out and about. Right. And so like, you know, like my son, one of them likes to skate to school and he didn't want to take a ride with the brother. And so then we noticed that there was a bunch of late, uh, tardies. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you don't get the freedom of skating to school. So we're going to hold your skateboard yeah, and you can get it after school from us. And you don't have that freedom right now. Well, and that's more like having the consequence match what, what they did. Right. Instead of I'm taking away all of your freedoms. I'm taking your phone. You're locked Mm -hmm. in your room. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot leave the house. You can't talk to your friends, all of it being taken away for something. And so it's, 
it's the give and take of it. Yeah. And that that's way more respectful. Yes. Yes. Because and I it, trust it, you are yes. going to be able to, the, the whole purpose, right? Is someday <laughs> you're going to, they have all the freedom and all the yes. responsibility. This right. is the process of adulthood. It's a training ground. Yes. Because yeah. my intention, right. Is that you're going to leave my house and take full responsibility for your life yeah. and have full freedom. I don't get to fucking control you anymore. Right. When you're right. grown up as much as I want to. Yeah. And it's my job to prepare you for that so that you yeah. don't flail. So we got to test out it there. out. We got to see where yeah. you're at. Give you yeah. a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. It's like a, like the slow release, right? Like a yes. little bit of freedom here. Mm -hmm. Right. And a little bit of responsibility there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's great when you have the concept as the, in the family of the tether, uh, my kids don't love it. The freedom and responsibility kind of, you know, yeah. they, they get annoyed of by course. it because they get annoyed no matter what. So yeah, they would rather <laughs> it not, you know, so then when, I, but I love having the language because then I can say, Hey, listen, we've been testing this freedom out. You're not mm -hmm. showing that you can be responsible. So we're going to pull some back. So we have this like way of talking about, yeah where they're at, what they're doing. And it's a shared language, which is so important. Yeah. So great. Yes. Yeah. So that is a, is just a concept and you know, it, that it can be helpful. And then as far as limit setting itself, yeah. boundary making, it's like, we have to really think about what is allowed in our house mm -hmm. or what are we willing to do or pay for or provide? Yeah. And what are the conditions of that? Mm. So I like to ask these top level, like have kind of my program, the way I structure it is there's a lot of frameworks because that way you don't have to re-memorize like everything over time. It's like, these are the questions you ask yourself when your kids are three, 13, 23 yeah. in relationship, right? Like, so we are willing to allow our child to use this vehicle that he has access to and we're willing to pay for the insurance up to good student discount. Like if he doesn't have a good student discount, he has to pay for that portion. Uh huh. Yep. So we're willing to pay for the insurance up to this amount. And we're willing to let you use the car under these conditions. And they are you being home in the garage. The car is back in the garage by this time. Right. And you have to, in our family, you have to keep Life360 on so that we can check because we go nine nights and it marks you yeah. when you're home. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the, then if there's missing of it, we're like, oh, looks like you don't have the car for next right. weekend. And it's just really clear, clean line. I'm willing to give you this amount of money mm -hmm. for this purpose. And that's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to pay for you to go to Japan this summer on your student trip, as long as you have a, you know, 2.0 or whatever. Yeah. Your boundary is your limit. The thing is, the boundaries are never the problem. Okay. They're usually pretty clean once you get clear about what it is that you want and what you're willing yeah. to do. Yeah. The issue really comes up for parents is when the boundary isn't respected, wow. isn't kept, right? We, as the boundary maker, have mm -hmm. to be the boundary keeper. Yes. You can't expect your teenager to respect your boundaries or to never cross your boundaries. Yeah. So then we need to follow up on them. And that's where all the mess happens because then that's where the big yeah. feelings come. Uh -huh. That's where 
the frustration and the anger and we want to make them wrong and bad and terrible so that we feel better about yes. reinforcing the boundary. And so, you know, that's where shame comes in and it just gets really messy. And then we are parents are like, I don't want to deal with it. It doesn't matter. It, yeah. Or it shouldn't be this way. A yes. lot of judgment. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, holding your boundary and then following through on it is, is really, um, it's the work we're all working on in our personal lives as well. All like, the I'm willing time. to go to my mother-in-law's for Christmas as long as, mm -hmm. that, Judy, if you're listening, it's not about you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as long as, you know, she doesn't criticize me in front of my children. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. And then she criticizes you in your front of your children and you say, I'm not going. Yep. Exactly. Because I don't want to be there. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be treated that way. There's going to be a bunch of feelings about that. Everyone's going to have opinions. They're going to have thoughts yeah. about you. They're going to have criticism of you. You're going to want to make them wrong. You're going to want to defend yourself. Blah, blah, blah. All of it. Yeah. So it's the same in parenting teams. It's like they're going yep. to have thoughts and feelings about you and about themselves and about your rules mm -hmm. and we need to be strong enough. Yeah. To be able to hold to it. Yeah. And, and that it. because it's, it's essential, Yeah, not just to your well-being, but to the well-being of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the other ones I had, what we kind of talked about, like, you know, trust, self-trust, you know, trusting your kids and mm -hmm. how to develop that. And I think, you know, writing a list of things that are true about your child. Like, I know that my child is, I know that my child um, is loving, is kind, is generous, is, mm. you know, compassionate, is um, smart, is um, capable, whatever it is. Like, you, you know, some good things about your kids. Yep. So let's make a list of that so that you have some evidence that your kid's okay. Exactly. And that's the whole thing too, is it goes back to how you think about your kid mm -hmm. and that impacts how you treat them. Yes. So it's where your focus and energy go mm -hmm. and that's what's going to make the big difference there. So yeah. I love that idea of making a list and even just sharing it with your team. Yeah. I call it the delight list. And, okay. um, and I just, I teach it pretty frequently, but it's like, it helps us get out of that negative thought spiral about our kids. Like they're a jerk, yeah. they're lazy. They're never going to, I'm, you know, they're, they're not kind, I, I, you know, you can have a lot of negative thoughts, but if we stop and we think, okay, what else could be true or what else is true? What else do I know about them? What is good about them? Yes. Man, it makes a huge difference. Even if we don't speak the sentences, they come through. Yeah. Because teenagers can push buttons. Yeah. They're really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're able to redirect your brain mm -hmm. to the good as well, that's, yeah. that changes everything in your perspective. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I love that yeah. so much. So good. So then, you know, the last one is just finding that space for you to process your own emotion. And mm -hmm. you know, that I, I think working with me is the best way to do that being mm -hmm. in my call mama club and working with me um, and having that community of other parents who are doing the same work, right. Working on yeah. ourselves learning how to talk to our kids and helping them manage their negative emotion, learning these boundaries and how to set limits, learning how to have consequences without, you know, pain and punishment and shame. Mm -hmm. It's like finding community. If you have a community that does that, good. Go hang out with them. 
And if right. you don't, come to the Call Mama Club, right? Well, the difference though, between having a community and having one like yours, the Call Mama Club, is sometimes as parents, when we get together and we start venting, we fuel each other's frustration. Yeah, right. Like, oh, my kid does that too. Oh my gosh. And it just like turns into this big negative spiral, mm -hmm. not on purpose. It just does. And yeah. we try to validate each other's experience by saying, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily make you feel better. Whereas yeah. your group, you need a coach. it's more like you can, <laughs> yes, you can feel it. I, it makes sense that you would feel this way, right? Mm -hmm. Not like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what a jerk. Totally. You, you have every yeah. right to be mad. Like they suck. Right, right. Totally. It's more proactive and productive. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And guided, right? Like by yes. someone who, yes, we have coaching twice a week. You can come okay. ask questions. There's week, there's a, you know, a small Facebook community. So you can ask questions in there. I mean, there's a lot oh, nice. of support and uh -huh. it's, um, you know, that's the difference, right? Than just venting with your friends versus yeah. having an actual parenting expert as a guide. And that's yeah. what you're parents that, you know, the teens who work with you, your, their parents have like this, like ace in the hole or whatever with you. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's a phrase. Um, but it's, I think it is. is that, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Like I'll hold my pants. Like a, I don't know. Is that like a golf thing? I don't know. It's cards. <laughs> I don't know. I Shows like, what we know. Either way. Yes. I, okay. Yeah. You are an ace and they have you in their corner pocket right. hole. <laughs> yeah so i i want everyone listening to like get support get support for your teenager yes. with jennifer get support for yeah. you with me well what really what what it is that we do is we offer peace of mind right yeah. i'm offering peace of mind for the parents and knowing that their teenagers have someone there to support them and guide them mm -hmm. and then peace of mind for them to know that they're not there doing it alone working with you. Like they yes. don't have to figure it all out. No. They can have somebody there who's not involved, be a listening ear and offer guidance. Mm -hmm. So really, I mean, imagine the transformation on the home life when there is peace of mind. Yes. It's huge. I mean, that's what calm, right? That's what it's all about. Exactly. In my yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So tell me how my people can find you, how they can work with you, all the yeah. things. Yeah. Well, the best way is to go to calmamacoaching.com and I spell mama M-A-M-A. -M -A, so mm -hmm. calm coaching.com And that's, you can learn about the club. I also have some openings for one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and, and if you join me for one-on-one, -on -one, you get access to the club, which is because okay. I just think everyone needs to be in there yeah. working with each other, talking to each other. Um, and then on Instagram, I do reels and things. You're really good at reels. You, everyone <laughs> should follow you because you're, right. you're I have fun. Yeah, it's, you're good at it. Um, <laughs> I just talk at you for like 45 seconds. Those are my reels. Which is fine. Um, but yeah, if you want support, you know, both of us are on Instagram. So I'm at Darlin Children um, on Instagram. Oh, awesome. And I, have, yeah. I have a weekly newsletter. I call it Mama Love okay. Note. And yep. it really is an um, incredible resource. And, you know, every week, a little love note with a little ass kicking kind of put together. Uh-huh. Tough love. In that, yeah. A little Tuesday, mm -hmm. Tuesday note. Um, so okay. I think, you know, even if no one on, in your group wants to work with me, but they want to learn, like that yes. would be great. They can just, you know, join, hang out, learn more. Yeah. Um, do you have a newsletter? 
I do. I send out every week, I send out uh, an email where I'm tip, usually give out some tips and motivation. Mm -hmm. And when I have programs roll out or something special like a freebie or mm -hmm. like a small resource, I include that in those as well. So okay. when you go to my website, you can join the mail list and be part of that as well. Okay. Same, same. You can get online on there and then we'll put all this stuff in the notes. I yes. Love. And I don't think we actually said this, but the name of my podcast is Raising Happy Teens. Okay, good. And yes. <laughs> your podcast is called it's Become a Call Mama. Perfect. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah this was so for fun. to know. Raising Happy oh my Teens. Gosh. Yes, right? Raising okay. Happy Teens. Everyone and go we'll definitely to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, go into the show notes. We'll have all the links to the websites and the Instagrams and the podcasts and everything go down there. But yeah, this is so fun to talk to you. Oh and I, I learned okay. so much from you. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Like even as a coach, I know a lot of these things, but it's different when yeah, you are a it. parent. Yeah, yeah, so, so fun. All right, okay. thanks. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. If you have a teenager, then you're going to want to listen to this because I have teenagers and I know how difficult it is to raise them. I understand how overwhelmingly angry we feel. I understand that deep worry we have over them in their current life and in their future. I get what it feels like to be sad that they've grown and changed and our relationship with them has changed. And I also understand what it's like to raise a teen and how confusing it can be over what we're responsible for. What are we supposed to be setting rules around? How do you set rules with a teenager? So these are the topics in the masterclass. It's going to be October 12th at 1 o'clock Pacific. It's going to be on Zoom. It's an hour and a half. It's $25. And in it, I'm going to teach you what's normal for teens and what's not. I'm going to help you figure out how to set rules and limits for teenagers and you know how to say the things you want to say to them and get clear about what your role is. I'm going to help you stop lecturing them and giving you new tools to talk and listen to your teenager so that you feel closer to them during this time instead of drifting apart. And you're going to learn really practical ways to manage your own mind around all the fear and all the frustration and all of the sadness that we have. So it's 25 bucks, October 12th. It's a Wednesday at one o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern. There's going to be a recording upon request, and I've put together an incredible workbook guidebook that has all the best practices about raising teenagers, what you need to know, what's developmentally appropriate, what are their needs, what's this generation struggling with, what is it that they want from us, and how can we best support them so that your teenager can grow up and become whoever they're meant to be, right? Reach their potential. So I'm going to help you clear out some of your misunderstandings, some of the myths and also give you a really clean idea of what you're, what it's like to raise a teen and give you some practical tools so that it makes it a little bit easier. And so I encourage you to join me. You can sign up at my website, which is calmmamacoaching.com. Um, I spell mama M-A-M-A, -A, so calmmamacoaching.com. And um, we'll have a link for the masterclass. All right. I will see you guys next time. 